Hello, and welcome back, or welcome to Asking for Myself, the podcast where I ask all the questions you're too afraid to. I'm your host, Mia Davis, the founder and CEO of Taboo, where we create digital products to empower you to have more fulfilling sex, strong and healthy relationships, and nurtured mental health. Today, I am joined by sex therapist in training and host of the Handy Mandy podcast, Amanda Paul, and sex and relationship coach, Dr. Tara host of the Love Bites by Dr. Tara podcast. Recording this episode was truly a blast. We had such a fun conversation talking about all things sex and dating. Navigating sex as a single person can be challenging, from the pleasure aspect of it to the relational dynamics of casual sex and situationships. We talked about everything from one night stands to bringing a sex toy to a hookup. You deserve pleasure and to feel sexy, confident and empowered, whether you're with a one-time partner or a long-term partner. So without further ado, let's talk Taboo. Okay, so thank you both so much for joining me for this conversation. Just to kick things off, can you each give a brief background on who you are and you know how you're in the sex and dating space? My name is Amanda Paul. I am currently in my second year of graduate school for marriage and family therapy with a specialization in sex therapy and absolutely loving it. Definitely my dream career, dream field. I started speaking publicly about sexuality on TikTok, uh, promptly got kicked off. So I'm now the host of the Handy Mandy podcast, where I talk about popular topics around mostly sex, but a little bit of dating from the perspective of someone who is an up and coming therapist and kind of still learning. My name is Dr. Tara. I am a professor of sexual and relational communication at Cal State University Fullerton. I started my sex coaching practice two years ago and it's here in Los Angeles and I started my podcast last year uh, Love Bites by Dr. Tara that focuses on sexual explorations and dirty little stories from people (laughs) the fun kind of dirty (laughs) really excited to be here and chat with y'all yes me too Thank you both so much for joining and I feel like you're the perfect people to talk to about this topic so I guess to just kick things off, I do plan to have a longer episode specifically about breakups and like moving forward after a breakup, but I think a good place to start is talking about just breakups and kind of being newly single. So I recently went through a breakup and I'm definitely still in the like healing slash overthinking every single thing that went wrong, (laughs) like part of that um, stage, but that kind of leaves me in a place where I'm not necessarily ready to think about a new partner, but I am ready to think about like maybe having, not maybe, but you know, having sex with people and meeting new people. (laughs) So I wanted to talk to each of you about like what has been your experience with dating and hookups and especially after a breakup or like entering the single world when you have, you know, kind of been with someone for a while, been with the same person. Yeah. Well, um, I think hooking up, you know, in in between relationships, if you call like if you're you're into monogamy, right? Where was your last relationship monogamous? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I feel like hooking up and, you know, sexually exploring other people in between relationships or, you know, in between like finding the person that you feel more comfortable being in a monogamous relationship with is completely fine. And actually I'm quite, uh, an advocate for people having, you know, um, responsible, fun, casual sex because that personally for me and what I've also seen in research on sociosexuality is people learn a lot about themselves and their desires and preferences and gaining their own sexual agency through these actions it's like learn by doing you know like you can learn a lot like I've learned a lot by the books right but like I feel like I've learned so much more wink wink Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, in the field like you know in the streets in the field so I just feel like hooking up uh after after like a breakup where you feel bummed you don't feel very confident maybe you have a lower level of self-esteem um can be beneficial and I know it sounds kind of radical because for some people it's like no like take your time be alone you need to be good by yourself and yes you can be good by yourself and hooking up with people at the same time Mm -hmm. for me I have been through I would like to call myself a serial monogamist until a recent period of my life where I realized that that was not quite the move anymore. So I was always a long-term relationship person taking very little time in between. I also had my, as I lovingly call them, hoe phases, which I totally agree, teach you so much more about yourself even. Because when you get into a relationship for, I would say like maybe six months or longer, you have a rhythm you know their body, they know your body, you know what works, what feels good. And then when you're single, it's this terrifying and super exciting dichotomy of feeling kind of like a virgin again, like having to get back out there and rediscover new people and have them learn your body. But at the same time, it's lonely, like the person that you had that was, you know, giving you pleasure primarily, you don't have anymore. So I think it's okay to embrace the scary and the exciting because when you break up, like it's a mixed bag of feelings with, you know, anger, sadness, maybe some relief and a little bit of freedom. And so I think exploring each of those parts and yeah, giving yourself time to heal and to maybe correct the patterns that you weren't loving about yourself, but also to explore new things that you maybe haven't had the option of trying yet and just embracing all of the mess of it and I used to personally believe that the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else and I think that <laughs> love love that love that that can help but like long lasting sexual confidence for me at least has come from putting that to the side and working through you know my own patterns of of having sex and seeking people and dating and finding just a a better, more evolved way of doing it. Yeah, I I love everything that you just said. I think, well, I guess I have a few follow-up questions from that. Like number one, how, because you mentioned like with a long-term partner, right? Like you know each other's bodies, you kind of have that ease and comfort. How can you bring obviously you're not going to have that in like a first time experience with someone or even like a casual or with a casual partner maybe more so if you're you know having sex over time but with you know a first time experience how do you navigate like you know 
telling them what you like or kind of bringing those things up early on? And I guess, do you recommend being, obviously I feel like all three of us are going to be more so recommending communication and, you know, like, but for the average person who's like, has not been having these conversations day in and day out and hasn't done the research and like is very, very uncomfortable. Cause even I having talked about this for nearly seven years still you know, when I'm having experiences, like you're still the real person, like you're saying when you're in the field, like it's a, it's a little bit different than when you're like, you know, looking at it from a research perspective. So I guess number one is like, how do you kind of have that ease and comfort and pleasure with a new person? And then also when you have had those positive experiences with a former partner, how can you not be thinking about them and kind of like even comparing a new partner to that previous comfort that you had with someone else. All my questions are like 20 parts. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the second one first, so I'm going to say that. When you're with someone and you have that pattern and that that level of comfort, you're going to associate them with sex. Like it's going to happen and People say that you shouldn't compare your ex to new people or your partners, but it's impossible not to because he did that crazy thing with his tongue and this new guy doesn't. <laughs> and, and you you need to advocate for, for the things that you like. And it is natural to make those comparisons. For me, I think if in the middle of sex, if that's kind of what your question is, if your ex is popping into your head, I would just treat that as any other intrusive thought, kind of let it come in let it pass, try not to fixate on it and focus on the sensations that you're feeling and just being present in the person that you're with. And it's easier said than done. But eventually over time, as you're having these new experiences, your brain will, like the the link between your ex and sex will slowly disintegrate just as you get out there and continue to do it. And then please restate the first part. Of your oh, the, se- the second half of the question was really like, Finding that ease and comfort with a new partner and, you know, especially I think for like cis women, I think that pleasure can be deprioritized obviously a lot of the time. And so with your, when you're with someone new, maybe it's only one time or maybe it's just the first time. How can you advocate for yourself in a way that feels natural and where you're still having a great time? Right. I think asking the two of us, we are not quiet when it comes to what we like, I assume. What I feel is the most natural is there are certain parts of sex that you are in control of in terms of your own body. Clitoral stimulation is probably the biggest one for most people. And so make sure it's easy when you're in the, you know, the first couple of times to get caught up and kind of thrown off your game. So make sure to continue doing those things that you know that you like. And the first time with somebody probably isn't going to be the best time that you have with them just because you really don't know each other's bodies yet. So I feel like a good way to to start is just to kind of the first time feel it out and you don't need to voice every move that you want or every position that you want to try, but just get a feel for their style and let them get a feel for yours. And then maybe as soon as it's over or, you know, cuddling or the next day, just say like, that was great. By the way, I like this. What do you want me to do more of? Just kind of get a baseline and then you can work from there. Yeah, I think that's uh, really important. And if there is the next day or... Right, (laughs) right, right. right. Uh, I I think that is a lot more fun and it helps you build 
confidence as well when you're hooking up with people. And again, we're talking about like hookup, just hookups. Uh, when you're hooking up with people that you feel you can get a sense. Like, I mean, I think everyone can get a sense of someone that adores you. <laughs> and I think hooking up with people that adore you rather than like trying to force it with a date where it feels kind of dry um, will give you so much more confidence for like the next time. Uh, because that adoration translates into perhaps them taking a little bit more time to like ask you like, does this feel good? Does this, does this feel good? Mm -hmm. Do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do this more? Um, versus someone who is perhaps like objectively hot, but <laughs> is like really into themselves and like, you know, mm -hmm. they're too confident for their own good and they're not like asking you any questions. Like I, 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 I mean, admittedly hooked up with a couple of those people and it wasn't like the best experience, even though you're visually so pleasing, right? Like I'm looking at them like, damn, you're so hot. Like I'm just, I'm aroused just fucking looking at you. <laughs> but I don't get the same kind of satisfaction when they have sex with me because I feel like they were just thinking about themselves versus yeah. When I sometimes go on like fun dates uh, with people and I always say like if you were gonna, you know, if your thing was if you're a sexual person and there's no shame in that and you're being safe and you're communicating and it's consensual, like I would not do like a coffee date. Like I would just go ahead and like uh, schedule like a fun activity date or like do dinner or grab drinks because the vibe and getting into that sexual mood is so much easier than like daytime uh, kind of vibe, you know, like if the, if hookup was the goal. And another thing that I would think about is what, so like the first thing would be like, do they adore you? Can you feel that? Or are they like indifferent about you? If they're indifferent, there's like no point pushing because I feel like you have sex and they would just think about themselves because these people, they're auto sexual. They only think about themselves. They're like, Oh my God, I'm coming. I was just thinking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then I also think, you know, another aspect of like, a lot of um, good sex, I think we would all agree, is is sex that um, that includes a lot of like sexual mindfulness in yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and I say this a lot. I think sex is 70% you, 30% your partner. Um, so 70% you has to like be there, right? Like has you have to bring it. Like you have to have like all of your thoughts. And if you have intrusive thoughts about your ex, cool. Like exactly what Amanda said was so well said, you know, let it, let it be and just let it go, let it pass. Right. Um, and just continue on to feel the sensations in your body and focus on that. And then focus on connecting, maybe focus on the eye contact with your, with the partner that you're having sex with that day, um, would be key. Like that sexual mindfulness will bring you more pleasure and comfort. Um, as you start hooking up with people over time versus, you know, um, fixating on the thought of like, oh, my ex, my ex, my ex. Yeah, no, for sure. And of course, this is making me think of another two-part question, which is one, like if you're in the middle, like you were saying, like someone that adores you and you're feeling really good about yourself, if you're not having that experience, like let's say you started hooking up with them because you thought they were really attractive or you had that chemistry wherever you met, but then by the time you get home or, or even like midway into it, you're like, this is really not that fun. Like this is not that good. Would you just recommend being like yeah I'm not that into this anymore like also with being mindful this is another human being you don't want to hurt their feelings but you also shouldn't be doing something you don't want to be doing so like how do you kind of toe that line of you want to be respectful and considerate but you also if you're not into it like you're not into it and you shouldn't be doing something you're not into 
especially because I can say from experience that when you are doing something you don't really want to be doing, like that's going to, that like stores in your body and like, that's just not going to be a great outcome. And so, you know, how can you navigate that if you're no longer super into that original experience? I think this is personally something that I have worked through a lot. I think women in general do feel afraid to voice when they, you know, are not feeling it anymore because you don't want to disappoint. And if you do disappoint, what is he going to do? What's he going to call you? The easy thing to do would just be to stick it out, tough it out, go home and take a hot shower and pretend like it never happened. But you do store it and you might get down on yourself for sticking it out. And I think it takes a level of sexual confidence and not in the sexy way, but to be able to recognize halfway through if you're just not having a good time to, I mean, you can fake a cramp. If it's really that bad, you can, you can find an easier way out than directly telling them, but it's also okay to just ask, like, can we take a break? Like, I just need to take a break really quick and say, like, you know, I was really into it. You're really hot. This was great, but I just want to go home. And I mean, it's, it's harder to do than that, but I think people build up a lot in their head of it being more difficult when it's really just an easy no and exit. And I think going back to what Dr. Tara was talking about, you can tell, at least maybe it's just me, but you can tell when the person that you're with isn't being mindful either. It feels like that, you know, they're getting off and you're just there or that you're the object that's helping them get off. And for me personally, that's what triggers the I'm not into this anymore feeling. And that's when, like you're saying, most of the time, yes, it is hot guys. <laughs> um, that That's when you can back out or you can say like, okay, this was an experience that I don't want to repeat with this person. And now I know what to look out for when it comes to like continual continuing to date or finding hookups if if that's the kind of person that's not going to be present during sex and you're going to leave feeling used then you know you're going into the next one with more knowledge oh my god well said like that part of feeling used like I think we all like know know this like all too well you know I have had definitely quite a few hookups where afterwards I'm like ugh, like I was literally just like a tool and then he was done and then he's like, oh, that was so great. Okay, like, you know, um, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> or like, yeah, can I get no, you, you an will. Uber? I'm like, what the fuck happened? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Were uh, we in the same place? Yeah. Uh, uh, I was going to say my current partner is like the person that is extreme, like an extremely generous lover that I would say out of out of everyone that I have had sex with, even the people that we were in love in a relationship, um, but they weren't practicing mindfulness regularly. Like mm -hmm. my partner meditates every day and practices like mindful eating and everything. And I see that so clearly too. Mm -hmm. So in the past, I've, I've hooked up with quite a lot of hot guys that weren't into things like that. And I knew that there was a pattern of these guys just focusing on themselves and later realized like, oh, I have a problem. I should not hook up with these people. Uh, but here's a, what excuse, that the one excuse that I've used 
used to get out of these things. Many times now, I would say I've gotten, <laughs> I've gotten out of uh, at least five sexual encounters with this ex excuse is, oh my God, it's too big. It hurts. <laughs> That's a dangerous game to play. But, yeah. <laughs> it's I, I can't do it. It hurts. I'm I'm like, I can't I can't do it. I have to go. I have to go. Uh, let me let me go to the bathroom real quick, and then I go like pee, and then I'm like I have to go. It's it's too big. It it hurts. It doesn't fit. It hurts. I gotta go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the ego that a little bit. is good for them and me. <laughs> like, who am I to be the person to give this man a life lesson of like, you're not good at sex? Like, you know, like, listen to my podcast, bro. <laughs> but like, I, in the sexual encounter, I'm not like, I don't, I don't want to be like, you know, um, sitting through all of that. This is again, like, you know, it's okay if you were sitting through all of it. I have done that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but like after a while, I guess older too, like when, you know, past like a certain age, you're just like, eh, I can't do it. But then I figured like, how can I not do it? But also they don't feel bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so right. Just go, it's too big. I can't do it. <laughs> An excuse that my friend uses a lot that similar vein but doesn't stroke the ego is diarrhea no one will ever argue <laughs> with diarrhea similar vein and i mean i have very I'm similar a proud, i'm a proud ibs girly um yeah. and every i mean my current partner the people that i'm with know it i'm very open about it and if you say like oop flare up like <laughs> who's gonna tell you to try and come back nobody no right, one wants to right. get involved in that yeah <laughs> or maybe you want to try anal and like <laughs> A different <laughs> maybe you're into yeah, it maybe like you're <laughs> right yeah they're like oh actually that's my king oh, so diarrhea girl <laughs> amanda you don't leave <laughs> <laughs> so i actually i guess i don't necessarily need to ask the other thing i was thinking about because you both alluded to a response to it which is basically around you know saying you know if someone's really adoring you and you're feeling really good, I was going to ask, how do you not take it personally and not like get discouraged if you're having a sexual encounter and they're not adoring you and they're not super into you? But it kind of sounds like both of you are saying that one, it just obviously it comes with some level of self-confidence, but also being aware that it is probably more about them than it is about you. And like also social conditioning, they are probably used to, especially I guess I'm thinking right now of like cis men, cis hetero men, that they're used to like focusing on their own pleasure and sex ends when they finish. So um, there's that aspect. And then also being aware that some people are just, you know, super into themselves, which by the way, I feel like I've developed this bias against super hot guys which I need to battle but both of what you're saying is really just reaffirming this bias because it's not always the case obviously but I do think that sometimes it tends to come with a little bit of a, an ego and a little bit of a an arrogance that isn't you know wonderful to experience so is there anything you wanted to add to that or do you feel like that's kind of what you would say around like not taking it personally and not getting discouraged about like future sexual encounters if you're experiencing someone who's not that into you? I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning. It is a, a juggling act between freely exploring your sexuality with as many partners, as many times, in whatever context you want, but also at the same time, you should be doing the work independently to build that confidence. Speaking from experience, I 
considered myself a very confident, independent person. But when you are in relationships and a lot of the adoration and the confidence is coming from someone else, that when you break up, that's lost and you have to rebuild a certain amount of independent confidence that men and hookups can add to, but that's a core thing that you have. So in those situations where you can tell that they're not into you or they only want to do doggy because they don't want to see your face, (laughs) things like that. If you have that core confidence on your own first, it's, it's easy to just say like, oh, he's a dick. Like he's not, he's not being present. He obviously has never thought about mindfulness, tantra, and that's his thing. Like that's his growth to do. But me, I'm empowered and enlightened and I'm going to go find somebody that is. That's a con- like a continuous thing that you have to work on. It's not easy and it's not a given, but it's a lot easier to get through those situations and not feel like it has to do with you because it mm-hmm. it doesn't. If someone's acting like that or not being present, it's not something that you can control. It's their brain and their mind and how how they choose to interact with people. Yeah, I completely agree. I love that too. Just like, I think it is important to, and I think that also develops over time and with like internal reflection and just kind of whatever life, I think you start to realize that so many of the things that we take personally, it's really way more about the other person and that's okay. And it, you know, doesn't, mean it's a character judgment against them but it's just or can be but you know it's ultimately just like this is not about me and that's okay and you know I know that I'm great and I know that I can have better way better experiences whether you're dating or having more casual sex partners I think it's super important to feel confident in your skin for me that includes self-care and specifically skincare. My love of lotions and potions comes from my grandma. And from what I've been told, I do have the soft skin to prove it. Is that a flex? (laughs) For some people, part of that skincare routine includes shaving or waxing. I am a Brazilian wax girl myself and prefer to shave my legs and my armpits on a pretty regular basis. I used to get a lot of razor bumps and even some post-wax irritation, which is why I love Lady Sweet. Lady Sweet is a line of cleansing, exfoliating, and moisturizing products, and I'm not even kidding when I tell you that their rejuvenating botanical oil is heavenly. And it's pink. I'm literally down to the last few drops of my second bottle, and luckily for you and me, you can use the code TABOO15 for 15% off your purchase. That's T-A-B-U-1-5. And trust me, I will be using it. Even if you're a fulbish kind of person or you rock that body hair, you can still treat yourself to these gorgeous skincare products. I love everything about this brand, but you don't just have to take my word for it. Here's a word from one of Lady Sweet's customers. Hey girly, so I had to share this amazing secret with you that I found about a year ago. I have been using this line of products from Lady Sweet, and it's a company that specializes in making natural products that target intimate struggles on our intimate skin. And it's seriously a life changer. You're going to love it. They're so cute. The containers are so feminine and delicate. And all of their ingredients are natural and very nurturing to the skin. 
Before I started using Lady Sweet, I would constantly have really bad smells down there whenever I finished shaving. You know the struggles with those bumpy red skin. It was just not a fun time for me. It was more like a struggle every time I would shave. But after Lady Sweet came into my life, I literally was looking forward to when I was going to shave again. I love it. They have exfoliators, cleansers, and, a, and an oil that helps to nurture and prevent those horrible razor bumps. You have to buy it. Head to ladysweetbeauty.com and use code TABU15 for 15% off your purchase. Enjoy. We already touched on like first time experiences or one one night stands a little bit, but I do want to talk about like quote unquote rules and the rules around sex and dating. And obviously I am, you know, a proponent of throwing away the rules and I do not subscribe to, you know, you have to do it this way. But at the same time, I'm wondering, is there any uh, validity to any of the rules? And like, and even if there isn't necessarily validity to it, like, is there something you can come to expect uh, or I rather I should say like you shouldn't change your behavior, I don't think, because of society's expectations or because of the assumptions people will make about you. At the same time, maybe it's something to be aware of and prepare for if you are going to live your life a certain way. So I guess with that, how do you think about one night stands? Do you think that, you know, people might judge you for one night stands? Do you think it matters? Do you think they're even worth it? Because like we talked about, you don't necessarily have as much pleasure with someone you don't know, someone you just met, someone where it is only going to be one time. Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts? Just, I guess, generally speaking around one night stands. I think my philosophy is you do you, boo. (laughs) And, you know, it's in a world where we like to like categorize and organize things and give it give things label, label and give moral judgments to other people like why would you do that well that doesn't result in this um, based on your own personal opinion um, at the end of the day like you're not in that particular situation you don't have this person's uh, personal life experience um, and you really don't like you can't be applying everything that you believe in on another person so like to me, I've I've had one night stands and I speak about them unapologetically because I think it's my own choice to have them. Um, and was it amazing? To be honest, it like one out of ten was. <laughs> no, like uh, it wasn't. It's definitely I'm I'm the kind of person that gets better at like reorienting my body and and having the orgasm that I like with a consistent partner. So I would say I would have preferred like a friend would benefit, you know, like a fuck buddy who like we meet regularly and have sex, like dick appointments. Uh, but when nice stands are fine, um, it's just, it's harder, I think, for women to thoroughly have pleasure. But like I said, there was that one time that I thought was like freaking amazing. But again, it feels like a jackpot because it doesn't <laughs> happen a lot, like not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, yeah, like you do you boo. And if it's not your thing, like totally cool. You know, if it's not your thing, totally cool. Wait, date, and just wait to have sex when you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. I think talking about like society rules, I might just be deep enough in this wonderful world of amazing people that say fuck society that I can't even think besides like the three date rule of any others because I just don't 
pay them any attention. Something that, and I totally agree, like one night stands, I can think of awful times and I can think of like highly erotic spiritual connections that I've had where I knew it was just going to be one time and I was okay with that. And it was still a formative experience that I like treasure. So it, very rare, let me just say. Like that is not, <laughs> don't go in expecting that. But <clears throat> what I found to be very helpful, I think ho phases do, and I'm saying that with love, like love a good ho phase. I think, you know, going to bars and having one night stands for a period of time can do a lot for your confidence and learning about what you like and what you don't like. But staying in that spot can sometimes start to get to you. And I don't think it's a very sustainable for me personally way to be sexual. I am more of a, you know, friends with benefits or relationship person. I like learning every little detail about somebody. Um, But I think what helps with hooking up and one night stands is setting your own rules And you can take some of those from the rules that society gives you, but just make sure you have a reason for doing it. Like I, I don't think I have the mental fortitude to do a three date rule, but I set myself a one date rule because I was tired of having disappointing sex with people that I knew that I didn't connect with. So I would go on a date and then that night drive my little self home and ask like, do did I have fun? Do I feel good? Do I feel bad? Do I want to explore this person? And that just helped me be more intentional with my hookups. So the ones that I, you know, was having sex with and was hooking up with, it was a conscious choice and not just kind of a spur of the moment fling, which can be fun too, but more often than not, those are not the best situations. So I'd say set your own rules and be flexible with them. If you meet this amazing man at a bar and it's all you want and it's, you know, that's what you want to do, throw your rules out the window. But I think it just gives you a good, a good way to be more intentional about it than, than just hooking up. Cause you don't want to be the person on the other end that isn't present and is only doing it for themselves either. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I feel like I've actually learned about myself or like things that I like or things that I want from one-time experiences and then I know that there was one uh guy in particular that I met out at a bar and I like we walked back to my place after but I was like you know what I'll wait I'll wait till we go because we were planning to go on a date and I was like I'll wait till we go on a date because like I feel like if I have sex with him right now it'll just like change things and I regret it because I didn't end up liking him after the date, but I was really <laughs> liking him that night. And I was like, dang, I wish I had just um, done that. But alas, I did not. I made a rule for myself. And then I was like, dang, that was a bad rule for yourself. But yeah, I think just kind of go with how you feel and, you know, a, a missing out on one. One and who knows how it would have been. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> so I agree. And even with coming up with like I was thinking about this topic on like rules and I was struggling to come up with what are the rules because I agree. I'm so far removed from what the rules are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, oh my God. but people have so many rules though. 
Oh, I yeah. Think, I've seen it on like yeah. there's this other podcast. And yeah, it's like all about these are the rules of dating. And I was like, I could Double never. Double texting. Yes. Some, yeah. When I was on TikTok, some guy, um, a man with a microphone, asked me <laughs> to come on. And I was looking at his content trying to see if if I was down for it. And it was all like how to talk to girls to make them like you don't double text them, don't ask them too many questions, don't like all of these things. And I mean, you it's same same thing with sex, you can follow all these rules. But if they don't apply to you personally, and, and you don't believe in them, and you haven't really taken the time to critically think about whether you believe this is going to bring like any kind of positive change, fuck the rules. I mean, <laughs> I think it also just sets the stage for like, games and also not getting to know the real person because you're not being yourself and of course maybe to some extent you don't want to like I I probably wouldn't text a new person the way I'm going to text my best friends but you know I think that with some discretion you should just be yourself because that's who they're that's who they're going to like right and like if they don't like that version of you then what's the point Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think so, easier oh, with yeah, communication though, because like text, like uh, like a computer mediated communication, like texting. I feel like if there has to be reciprocity, so if there isn't, I'm not gonna continuously text this person. So that right. I guess, like in terms of rules, I guess I was trying to think: Do I have any rules? Because I don't have a lot of rules <laughs> at all. Uh, I'm a true hiddenist. But uh, <laughs> I think my rule would just be: If there's no reciprocity, like I try to not. I put a lot of energy into that. So if there's no reciprocity, just kind of fuck it. Uh, Same with friends, right? Like if you meet new friends Mm -hmm. and you're initiating conversation, but there's no reciprocity, then uh, fuck it is kind of my philosophy. (laughs) Yes, agreed. You both mentioned more so like casual sex or ongoing friends with benefits. I guess I did have that written down as somewhat of a rule. And also um, what you mentioned, Amanda, about like waiting a few dates to have sex. So I guess number one, I guess we kind of both all saying like, forget that rule if it doesn't apply to you and if you don't have a good reason behind it. But as far as having and maintaining like an ongoing casual sex partnership, what have been ways that you found that to be sustainable and like not you know, like, obviously, there's the trips around like one person catching feelings, or it just evolving into something that doesn't feel, you know, mostly that one person catching feelings. So how have yeah. you, um, or or maybe you're hooking up with multiple people at the same time. And if you are a more monogamous person, that might be uncomfortable for you to know that they have other partners or things like that. So how have you been able to navigate it in a way that feels right for you and feels respectful toward the other person? Mm-hmm. I more so the thing that I struggled with with friends with benefits was not my jealousy over who they might be seeing, but it was a personal guilt over me seeing multiple people that I have no obligations towards. And that, my friends, is toxic monogamy, which uh, we are working on. But (laughs) (laughs) but I think the it all comes down to intentions. If you obviously are able to communicate and you have this friends with benefits where you think this might be a good situation, just have those like have those conversations and make sure that they aren't intending to woo you or that you don't have some feelings that you're hoping will evolve because it's friends with benefits. And I think a lot of people do hope that it'll go beyond that. And sometimes it can, but 
more so that I've experienced is rather than one person falling for the other, it just kind of sizzles out because you might meet somebody that you're interested in pursuing something with or they will. I think it, it can work. It depends on if you are truly friends and care about each other enough to keep each other in the loop. But I I find that to be a more personally fitting way to have sex than hookups just because you do have like the aftercare and you know that at the very least this person does care about you as a friend and that makes the sex and like the intimacy part of it better in my opinion I completely agree I think like yeah FWB is just like it's been working for myself better and also like you know I think research would indicate that a lot more cisgender female like women prefer that form of casual sex than like just uh, one night stands and um, random hookups and I would say the only the one rule that I feel was helping me at least was to um, not oh, how do you say this in a way <laughs> not to like dramatize the relationship at least that's what really worked for me um is because we it depends on okay it depends on your also your sign and your moon and all that (laughs) (laughs) it depends on who you are um I'm I'm quite an emotional person so yes if, if you're my friend and we're having good sex like it's not the easiest thing for me to just be like la 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 like goodbye I forget about you completely (laughs) it's it's actually pretty hard so I think something that helps me maintain at least like the past like two three friends with benefits Mm -hmm. that I had was to like in my journal I uh would write like I am thankful for like his name um and I am thankful for our friendship uh, and, you know, our friendship comes first. Uh, mm-hmm. Things like that, reminding, like, tricking myself and reminding myself, like, this is what's important to me and the sex part is extra. Yeah. I I mean, I do, there are really, there are people that are much better at, like, navigating these without getting very um, mentally exhausted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of it, and I think Mandy, you're probably learning this too, like sociosexuality tendency. Like mm-hmm. it, it, some people are just like quote unquote better at casual sex than others, and some of us are, you know, um, emotional and and can feel attached. Versus some people are just like really they don't think about it mm-hmm. like that, and they can have fun and be adventurous, and then they just don't think about the attachment. Do you think that compatibility-wise for a casual sex situation, it needs to be the same? That, like, you have to have two or more people who are – that fall on, like, one side of that or the other? Or do you think that it can be that one person is more emotional, one person is more, like, physical or, like, more just purely about the sex and it can still work out fine? Interesting. What do you think? I think if it's it's truly – about sex and if you're calling it fwb and both people are in agreement that that's what it is i don't think that compatibility is the most important thing if the main factor of your relationship is i mean friendship but like sex on demand whenever you want it and no strings attached then the sexual compatibility 
can override the like emotional compatibility. And for me, like I'm also an emotional person and I think women in our society are raised and told to be caring and nurturing and loving and ride or die. So it is harder for us to separate sex and feelings. But something that's really worked for me is to, yes, like not dramatize it. If you're, you know, keep it, it is what it is, like dick appointments, Um, but keep yourself (laughs) open to meeting other people. Don't spend every single weekend with them. Don't, you know, intertwine your lives to that point, because if it is just sex, you want to leave yourself open to going on dates with other people. And that will help you to not accidentally start to, to mingle the emotions in. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. As far as introducing maybe whether it's a kink or if it's sex toys or, you know, whatever it is that brings you pleasure and that you want to explore, and especially as we're talking about the fact that, you know, having more casual partners or hookups or just like sex outside of a relationship how would you bring those things up and like what can people do who are you know maybe you want to try something new and you're not in a relationship so you don't feel like you have that safety net of a partner to explore something with how can you invite more pleasure and maybe eroticism and the more exploratory side of sex into an like a non-committed relationship And also, is that something you feel like, like, do you feel like you could whip out a sex toy on a first time hookup? Like, what are your thoughts all around on just introducing things you're into with a new partner? I like that you said whip out. Uh, (laughs) I have whipped out my, uh, (laughs) I have whipped out my vibrator for like when I go on a date, I have one vibrator that is very small and it kind of looks like a necklace that I bring with me if I go on like wine dates or, you know. Um, just in case. <laughs> uh, I have introduced that into, and honestly, people have no problems with it uh, whatsoever. Uh, but I, I, I also acknowledge that where I live and and how I meet people, the people that meet me are going to be the people that are more accepting. Like I'm thinking of certain parts of the world uh, or the country where it's like very, very conservative and like, oh no, like toy destroys relationships, uh, then I can see why it's like such a, such a, it's anxiety driven to like bring in something or introduce something exploratory. But I have whipped out vibrators and the way I say it is just like, oh, do you mind I use my vibrator? And usually they just laugh. They're like, they, you have it with you? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> But uh, in terms of kink, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example of, of uh, my FWB that introduced me to his kink, uh, which was toes, like feet. And at first, like, you know, it, um, like we hung out, we played board games, we all like drank and we were just, ha- we hung out at his place. And, uh, and at the end of the night, he's just like, you know, um, <laughs> I really like, uh, I really like your socks. <laughs> And, and then I'm like, oh, okay. This was also my first, the first person that I um, had sex with that was into feet. Like I've never had this experience. So it was like, I like your socks. And then I'm like, oh, thank you. And then he's like, can you take them off? And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then I kind of like took my socks off. And then he's like, can I kiss them? 
So, okay. So here's, the, I'm giving you this example because I think he did a good job at gradually introducing something. That, but then again, I'm the receiver. I'm so open-minded. So I'm, I'm trying to think, if I'm not open-minded, what would my response be? Maybe I would be like, why? That's weird. Right? But I think he did a great job at like gradually, you know, not just like, take your socks off. I want to sock your toes and come <laughs> <laughs> which you know, some like, people like, might be super into I like, your like yeah, i like your socks you know like mm-hmm. it just gradually so it didn't make me feel awkward uh i was slightly taken aback but in a hot way because it's like oh like he likes my feet like i'm down you know mm-hmm. uh so gradually would be something that i recommend and if yeah. he had been like let's say you were kind of not that into it like maybe it was something he introduced slowly but it was something you were like no right. i don't think right. so how would you have responded in a way that still yeah like i don't know like just being respectful of another person and obviously i think sometimes we can't help how we react to things but i do think right. people can do a better job of taking a beat before they you know project their judgment onto someone else but yeah how would you recommend responding to someone if you're not necessarily super excited about what they want to try uh uh, someone asked if they can poop on my chest um (laughs) I responded with empathy I said that's really interesting and whatever turns you on like I think that's definitely your prerogative I'm definitely not into that so that's not gonna be on the menu tonight okay you still want to have sex (laughs) okay (laughs) nice yeah like i'm down outside of you're hot i'm into you like i don't you cannot shit on my chest (laughs) it's a hard line yeah that's a hard line for me i think i am deep in the trenches of the south unfortunately um so where are you at mandy i'm in north carolina oh okay it's like one of the most northern mindset southern states that you can get but even though there are people that have crazy fun kinks and I think most people are like getting on the vibrator train that it's not threatening to anyone. It's not a replacement for anything, but even still, even I can tell by the, the mostly men that follow me that introducing those things is still like a huge point of contention. Some people would even argue that in hookups just don't even bother because you know, they're not your partner and you don't have to have that long-term exploration. And I really, for the longest time, didn't introduce like toys or anything like that into casual sex. But I think it's more of, in a relationship, sometimes it can be about like spicing things up or adding novelty or expanding like your sexual menu. I think on your own, it's just advocating for, for what you need and what you like. And I think I totally agree gradually is the best way to introduce something, especially if it's outside of, you know, the norm. But I think all of us being communicators and, you know, educators, (laughs) sometimes the communication can take a back seat. And with sex toys and kinks, sometimes approaching it with playfulness is much easier and more natural. So yeah, like on your date, if you whip out your little vibrator, like, and if you, you don't have to have that face-to-face conversation of like, are you comfortable if I take out my sex toys? Like, are you willing? (laughs) It doesn't have to be that much because any guy that wants to, or girl that wants to have sex with you, isn't going to be deterred by 
adding in any of these things. And if they are, the nice thing about casual sex is that there's really nothing at stake. If you're not hoping for a long-term future, then them saying no to a vibrator or you saying no to pooping on your chest, it's not going <laughs> to affect anything. Like you can maybe still be with this partner or you can find a new one, but that's kind of the glory of casual sex is you can try these new things because your emotional well-being and your stability is not threatened at all. Right. And it's not like you have to think about, well, this is going to be my long-term partner. So this is going to be our sex life forever. Or this is their, this is kind of their mindset around sex because maybe this is only a few times, or maybe it's just, I get some other aspect of pleasure out of this dynamic, but it's Mm -hmm. not that I need to be worried about this forever. So that's a really good point. Ready to upgrade your sex life? Look no further than Uberlube. I'm not kidding when I tell you that I am high key obsessed with Uberlube. And I have been for years. And it's not just because of the gorgeous glass bottle it comes in, though I admit that does have a little something to do with it. Uberlube is a silicone-based lubricant that lasts. Added vitamin E provides a silky soft feel to this unscented, moisturizing formula. Trust me, you'll never want to go back to that sticky stuff you were using before. Great for massage, penetration, and even taming frizz, Uberlube is the gift that keeps on giving. It's a fan and industry favorite for a reason. Seriously, Uberlube is amazing. And because of that gorgeous glass bottle I mentioned earlier, you can keep it right on your nightstand, for convenience, of course. Just remember, you can't use silicone lubes with silicone sex toys. Uberlube is, however, latex compatible. So stay safe. Get yourself a bottle of Uberlube or several at uberlube.com and use code TABU, that's T-A-B-U, for 10% off. I'm already excited for your future sexual endeavors. And now, back to our show. Hey, Mia here, obviously. I just wanted to mention that we do touch briefly on sexual violence in the next portion of the podcast. So if that is something you are sensitive to, you may just want to go ahead and skip forward a few minutes. Otherwise, I would just recommend listening and taking it in. And if you do need resources, I will list some in the show notes. So thank you so much for listening. I do want to mention, because I don't think we can have this conversation about like sex and dating without touching on safety. So I, unfortunately, of course, we live in a world where sexual assault is prevalent, sexual harassment, um, both in America and obviously on a global scale. And while alcohol in no way causes sexual assault, studies do show that sexual assaults are more likely to occur in settings where alcohol is consumed. So like a bar, places, places where it's also really natural to meet someone new and to have, you know, a flirtation and whether you go home that night or you schedule a date or another time to meet up, well, I guess that would be different. So if you're at the bar and you're drinking and then you go home with them or on a first date or second date or any number of dates where it's really common to go out for drinks, right? Like how and what is your advice for navigating hooking up after drinking alcohol and like how can people do this in a safe way that makes them feel comfortable and where they're making um, decisions that are like aligned with their values and desires and are there maybe hard set rules around or do you think there are like if someone is x amount drunk like there's it's just no like that's how I feel but I'm curious what you guys think Mm -hmm. 
mine's really simple. Uh, mine's no more than two drinks. Uh, especially if I know I'm going on a date, uh, regardless of like whether this person has potential like long-term relationship or just like, oh, I'm just going to go out, have fun and hook up. No more than two drinks. Uh, I know myself and I'm a lightweight. So if I drank more than two, I will feel unsafe already because mm -hmm. I'm I'm like woozy and, and drunk. And, you know, I my friends that know me are like, do not drink more than two drinks. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also have don't no more than two drinks for my date because I think guys get extremely ballsy when they're drunk. Mm -hmm. And for those that are like, taller and bigger guys like you can't really fight them off like I had an instance and I share this in my classroom um every semester uh of you know I went on a date with this guy he was a medical student we had a great conversation I in uh, I invited him to my place not thinking like oh inviting someone to your place means consent for sex <laughs> And I was like, you know, do you want to come back and have a glass of wine? And then, well, because uh, I like wanted to show him like a book that I have. And I didn't particularly think about having sex that night. Uh, but then he, you know, started coming on to me when as soon as we got to the apartment, we didn't even get to the bottle of wine. Uh, and he was just like, he was 6'4", like really built. And I, I couldn't fight him off. So I ended up having sex with him. Was I like happy about it? No. Did I feel shitty afterwards? Yes. Um and it was a terrible experience. So I remember from that time, like no more than two drinks from both of us. And I would never invite anyone back just to chat because I don't know what they think and you can't know what they think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sorry you had that experience. I feel like it's such a shame that this even has to be a conversation because it's like, why do we have to come up with rules around how we uh -huh. need to behave or like, I can never invite someone because I don't like, I think about that now, like living, um, alone or like, you know, well, wait, yeah. I shouldn't say that publicly, but you know, live alone. She lives with eight bulldogs. <laughs> but thinking about like, bring exactly like thinking about bringing someone back is different when you yeah. know if you don't have a roommate and you're thinking about right. like well I don't know this person you never know what's gonna happen or going to their place you don't know like you don't know and so it sucks that you even have to think about that in the first place and you really but, don't know because this guy like mm -hmm. without the alcohol he was the sh the most shy polite well-spoken med student like I wouldn't think that he would force me to have sex with him ever. Like I said, no, no, like I don't feel good. I'm going to go throw up multiple times and still had sex. Um, I, like I said, when, when guys are like super drunk, they get extremely ballsy and I'm not saying a hundred percent of guys, but a lot of them do get really ballsy. Uh, so I think better to like protect myself. And I told my girls like better to protect ourselves than like, feeling sorry afterwards because we be, we rely on human decency some people don't right. have that mm -hmm. I agree if it's if it's a date or if it's you know even a second date and maybe you're considering sex I totally agree two drinks three drinks whatever you know that your limit is stick to that and also watch how much the person that you're with is drinking because for me I'm tiny I'm five feet tall like Two drinks will get me there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if a guy is getting up into four and five, I'm starting to think, why? Like, why yeah. on a Tuesday night is he getting <laughs> Club plastered? going up on a Tuesday. Yeah. The club should be not should not be going up on a Tuesday. 
But um, when I was younger, and I think this, especially like college, you are fearless, you're immortal, you think that you're going to be totally fine and good. But everybody's drinking in that setting. And sometimes when you're drunk, you feel really good, you're dancing, and you do want to go home with somebody. And I'm not going to pretend like I, I haven't done those things either. I've had drunk sex, some of it that I do regret and some of it that I don't. And I think the idea that you can't give consent when you're intoxicated is totally valid and true. You can you can say that you're down. You can even believe personally that you're down, but you're not going to know how you're going to feel the next morning. And for the safety and legality of everybody involved, it's so much easier to just rain check it than to wake up and have either yourself or the person that you were with regret it and help like hold any kind of resentment. So I think checking checking yourself and and the person that you're with and kind of gauging like if you guys are both, you know, like two little drunky monkeys who <laughs> go dancing one night and you're on the same level and you're on the same page, it could be okay. But it's very easy to tell when somebody is drunker than you. And some, I mean, sometimes it's not easy to tell if you don't know them very well. But if you feel like they might have lost their grip a little bit, they might have lost their cool, don't, like, just don't even, don't try, don't waste your time because there are repercussions on both sides. Yeah, I think as a fellow lightweight, I have had my fair share of experiences having to learn this lesson the hard way. And what I still just find so bizarre is I remember there was once a friend of mine who I had hooked up with in the past and like we met out at a bar and he was super drunk and there was just nothing attractive about that to me. So I, for the life of me, cannot understand why people are preying on drunk women is so bizarre because I know when I'm drunk, like, I don't think that's, I don't see how that's a fun time. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, what is fun about that? Right, exactly. Like I can't, it's not cute. It's not it. So it's like, it's so just horrifying and sad to me that people are, I don't know if they feel so desperate that you know, this is only going to happen under these circumstances. But that's another thing I always say to people is like, if it wouldn't happen otherwise, then it shouldn't be happening now. So like, if you think this person is not going to be interested in you in the morning, then, you know, obviously do not take advantage of the fact that they're expressing willingness now because try it when you're sober or try it when you're less drunk. There's just no, there's no point in having sex when the other person is not you know, fully there. Like that's just not even fun for anyone. Well, I would hope. Preach. One other question, I guess, along the along the lines of safety is about um, using protection, whether that's condoms or I mean, and I really do mean condoms here because other forms of birth control specifically can be, you know, controlled by you, whether you're taking something every day or you have an ID, et cetera. But Condoms is obviously something you have to talk to a person about using and and also otherwise like dental dam, some type of protection that you're using during sex. And I guess, you know, I think a lot of people struggle to feel confident and comfortable asking their partner to use 
some type of protection and, you know, or they feel awkward, like, how do I bring it up? Or, and also, of course, a lot of people say, especially with like condoms that, oh, it's not as comfortable, it's not as good, or I can't, you know, finish with a condom, just a million excuses under the book. So, and again, I know we're all probably more comfortable, but I know that there are times when I felt super like, look, if you're not, if you don't want to use a condom, like it's not happening. And then other times where maybe I am a little bit more like, Okay, maybe you don't, you know, and I mean, like, maybe it depends on the circumstance or the person. So I guess what would be your advice to someone who feels like they don't want to ruin the moment or where they are, you know, just nervous about and also sticking to that boundary, if you have that boundary where you wouldn't have sex otherwise, like, how do you recommend people go about that conversation? I'm naughty. I haven't always (laughs) been the best about I know how important I'm like, even in the field that I'm in what I'm learning about, like, I am human and nobody, nobody likes condoms. It's the truth. But it's you with casual sex, unless you're with that person and, you know, dating that person, you both get tested and you're clear and free to have unprotected sex. You truly have no idea what you could be getting yourself into. And so I think the easiest way to do it, if that is a boundary, and I think that it should be if you want to keep yourself safe sexually is the hard part about requesting somebody to use a condom is not asking the question it's whatever comes after that Mm -hmm. um because a lot of guys maybe let me not overgeneralize some guys are gonna say like no I can't like I don't I can't finish with it I can't feel anything I'm too big for a condom things like that that's where you're in about a weird position of do I push back or do I give in and then feel weird about it so for me I think the easiest way is to not make it a question when you're getting Mm. hot and heavy and he's already mostly invested you just take it out and say put this on and then if he doesn't you can say okay well then you know it's not gonna happen tonight because the back and forth of should I or shouldn't I if you're going into it knowing that that's what you want to do if you let the heat of the moment overtake you, like later on, you're you're gonna regret that. Whether or not you, you know, get any STIs or anything like that, if you're going into it with that expectation, it's okay to leave and and keep that boundary rather than to give in and feel like shit afterwards. So I would just make it less of a conversation and more of a, you know, this is this is what I'm saying. If you want this to happen, put it on plus makes you last longer for him. So, I mean, you could also just say like, you know, I have a really notoriously great pussy and you're going to want one so that you can last longer. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> snap, snap, snap. I love that. Especially that part. I'm going to record. You should make that a real. Yeah, that should just be on the condom. That can be on the condom packaging. Yeah, that should be. Last longer. I've been with my current partner for a, a while now, so I'm trying to remember what I used to say or do. Uh, I I would I remember that I would always have condoms mm-hmm. with me, so at least we don't have to like stop somewhere because that's another barrier. Another yeah. barrier is is he says he doesn't have a condom then I don't have a condom. Then we have to go somewhere and get a condom. I feel like that's just like a lot of tasks. Um, I when So when I was single, I, I made sure I had condoms at home and like maybe one in my purse. Um, 
And then I remember, like, I honestly, as much as my students in, in the college class says that people don't want to wear the condoms, I don't remember, like, any of the sexual partners that I had was, like, adamantly against the mm-hmm. condom either because they're already there and you're there and you're and, and it's like he, he's about to get to have sex with you and you pull out a condom it's like oh wear this um like mandy said just pull it out and say wear this uh you know uh, let's get to it they usually just do it mm-hmm. i've had like two people that i remember that were just like oh no like this won't fit i'm like Really? Sure. Brand <laughs> shows that the whole water bottle, the big water bottle fits in this condom. Your dick is not bigger than big water bottle. Like, I hope. You know, I could put it over one, my head. Like the big, big one. <laughs> so, yeah, like in, I don't, I'm trying to remember. In that situation, I was just like, well, I can't have sex. I'm super fertile right now. You don't want to have a baby. That's a good one. And then I think we just end up didn't, didn't have sex because like I don't know why they were just so against the condom and we just didn't have sex and that was college, so they just left. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then I masturbated with my vibrator, my best friend, and had a great night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the ultimate friend with benefits. Yeah. The most reliable I, relationship. Exactly. Until it dies. But I feel like um I I completely agree that having condoms makes a huge difference because I'm fortunate enough to like have been gifted so many condoms. Like I have hundreds of, yeah. So literally, and I think that may be the difference too. Cause like, and I'll have like condoms in my backpack. I don't even know. I mean, I should be checking the expiration date for sure. And I do, but um, there's like in my backpack, in my purse, in my, like in everything I have, they're there so the chances of me having one on me is probably high um but that's not necessarily the case for most people so I would agree like having them on you and I think yeah when I'm at my own place like I know I've got a million so you know but I think if you go to someone's place and maybe they are able to have the excuse of like well I don't have one and you're caught up and you want to and you also really want to have sex I think it can be a little bit more difficult to to stick to stick true to it but I do agree that you don't want to regret that in the morning because I feel like even if, yeah, even if there's no actual repercussion, it's the peace of mind, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, and I also think it's a great way to practice like communicating and having boundaries and not, you know, not sacrificing your own comfort for somebody else's. So love. I have a question for you ladies when it comes to the condom because I haven't came up with a solution to this what happens if this sexual partner has like a micro penis or like a really really small really really small penis like what how can you go about like doing the condom part so the only thing I can say from well okay I can't really speak from experience because the only time I've encountered that in the wild is like (laughs) a really long time ago and it didn't and I don't think and we didn't have sex um so I didn't have to I don't know, but I will say I do know of a brand, One Condoms, and they have like 60 sizes, so they've intentionally Whoa. created – Yeah, it kind of works like bra sizing, where, it, which is really nice too because it's not about like extra large or – you know, it doesn't have any connotation based on size. Mm-hmm. It's just that you measure it. They have this tool online you can measure, and then you can get like an E6 or something. I don't know, you know, and so it's mm-hmm. kind of arbitrary where you wouldn't know what that means. And I and because they have such a broad range, I would think um, that they would 
account for that, but I don't know from personal experience. So that would be the avenue I would go is checking that out. I also, um, female condoms, just keeping one or two of them around. They are getting better at the design. I remember seeing it in like high school sex ed and being like, this is too big, too much. There's flimsiness and it's just not like even like more of a vibe killer than a condom would be, but they're making better ones. Um, I don't remember the brand that I just saw, but it, it, it fits better than your standard female condom. And that works for micro penises. If you don't like messy period sex, it's kind of like Mm. containing the area. So you can still get oral without worrying about any of that. Also for guys that might say that they're too big for condoms, which not a thing, but if they want (laughs) to stick to their guns, you can say, well, cool. Like female condom, like, protects you from the inside so they can they can go freely but you're still protected I mean objectively they probably are not as comfortable as a a male condom but just having one or two around as an option even to like play around with one day just be like "Mm, let me try this um is just another alternative if for some reason like your last condom breaks or something like that yeah, is and I should totally know this, so oops and bad on me for not, but a female condom is different than a dental dam, right? It's it's yeah. goes inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like if you took a regular condom and like pumped it full of air and let it deflate, it has a lot more room. It's not like tight inside of you. It's more of a it looks more like saran wrap kind of like more flexibility, more room, and it does go inside. But then there is a portion that covers your vulva that has like kind of a ring to keep it in place. You might have to like hold it a little more because obviously you don't want to be squeezing your lips to like keep, keep it on. But it you can find ones that cover, you know, your clitoris and the whole area too. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I need to look, I also need to probably look into like where you can buy that. I wonder if you can, can you just buy it at like drugstores? Yeah, most like Walmarts have them. Um, I would say the the brands that send you male condoms reach out and be like, "Hey, where's the female ones? <laughs> I, should. Yeah. I need some female condoms. Make some." I need to check it out. Okay, amazing. Um, well, yeah, thank you both so much for joining for this conversation. I really appreciate your time and think you've dropped so many gems that I'm really excited for people to hear this episode. Where can people find you? And if there's any last you know, words of wisdom you want to share, go ahead and let the people know. You can find me, Amanda, on Instagram at handymandy919. My podcast is the Handy Mandy podcast. That's mostly where I go like in depth on conversations just because I get to make my own rules and there's no censorship. And then I'm occasionally on TikTok with some bitterness at Handy Mandy Pod. <laughs> awesome. You can find me on my website, uh, lovebites.co is L-U-V-B-I-T-E-S dot C-O. My Instagram and TikTok are also lovebites.co. Uh, and my podcast is on there, Love Bites by Dr. Tara. Amazing. So everyone listening has so much other listening that they need to do if they haven't already. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
It really helps boost the podcast and helps other people discover this information. Okay, now I would love to know, what are your most hilarious sex and dating stories? And what questions do you have or challenges are you facing in your sex life? Hop on over to our Instagram at askingformyself and shoot me a DM. Don't worry, nothing is TMI. Until next time.